Welcome to the Dunwoody Community Church Podcast. We are so glad you have chosen to listen in to one of our Sunday services, and we hope that you will be blessed by today's message. For more information about Dunwoody Community Church, please visit us at dunwoodychurch.org. That's dunwoodychurch.org. Welcome to chapter four of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We've titled it sort of tongue-in-cheek, Church at its worst, because of all the problems that the Corinthian church has. Remember, I read through a few weeks ago all the chapter headings. We're coming down here in chapter four. Paul is closing out this discussion that he wants to have about unity. Remember, we, we said a number of weeks ago, that's the thing he sees as most important. That, that's the, the first issue, the big rock he wants to deal with, first of all, is this issue of being unified in Christ, that, that together we all say Jesus is Lord. And he will go on in chapter 5 and then begin dealing with specific issues in the church. But this week and next week, we're going to look at chapter 4, where Paul sort of pulls together all that he's saying. So if you've got your Bibles, open to the book of 1 Corinthians and read along with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to read the first seven verses. So 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 7. Paul says, This then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now, it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over and against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So Paul starts out and he says, we translate it, this is how you ought to regard us. And the way he writes it, it's actually a command. You know, it kind of sounds like advice in this case. He's commanding it to the Corinthians. He's saying, look, here's how you need to think. This is what you have to do. Let everyone, he sort of says, think this way. This is what you should think about us. And then he says these two really unusual things. I I know it doesn't sound that way as you read it, but the words he chooses are actually really strange. So when Paul says we are servants of Christ, if you've hung out in a church before, or you've ever heard anyone talk about the, the language Paul's speaking in, it's called Koine Greek, you've probably heard the common word for servant. It's the word doulos. And doulos is one of those cool words. I mean, it's used over like 120, 130 times in the Bible. All the time, they talk about a a doulos, a slave or a servant. And we still use the word today. There's a hospital ship run by Operation Mobilization that's called the doulos, the servant. There's a financial investment firm called doulos partners. Like doulos shows up in a lot of different places. This idea that, oh yeah, we're your servants. There's, There's a bunch of companies that have doulos in their name playing on this idea of we're here to serve you. Um, That's not the word Paul uses here. 
he uses a different word. If you care, it's the word um, hyperetes. And this is the only time Paul ever uses that word. Paul will use doulos, I don't know, like 30, 35 times or something in his, all of his letters. The only time he ever uses this other word is here when he says this about himself and about Apollos. He says, we are servants of Christ. And this word, hyperetes, um, it doesn't just mean servant. So I've told you how this language loves to like stick little words together to make bigger words. This word is literally the word for under and the word for rowers. Because in their world, the guys who rowed ships were galley slaves. They were chained to banks of oars. This was not a job you wanted, especially if you got into a battle because you are chained to your bench and the oar. If your ship goes down, you're gonna die. You can't get out. This is a terrible, terrible job to have. And this word means you're a servant who's lower than the galley slaves. This means you're a flunky. Like, you're just a grunt. You, you have no power. You have no responsibility. If you look this word up in a, a dictionary, it says things like underling or attendant. You ever seen that movie where the king is striding through the palace confidently and he's surrounded by these guys who are just scurrying along with him. And then, you know, he comes into the room and one of these guys scurries and brings him a chair and he sits down and another guy scurries up and, and you know, puts his footstool there and then the king puts out his hand and a guy scurries up and puts his pen and his paper and like, that's all they do. They're just attendants. They have no authority. They have no responsibility. Their whole job is just to scurry along with the king and when he needs a chair, get him a chair. Like That's the word Paul is using. Do you, you get what he's saying here? He's saying we're the lowest low. We're not even doulos, right? That, that, they might actually have an important job. He specifically uses a word that says we're flunkies, we're grunts. We're the bottom of the pile. We are the lowest of the low. We are the bottom rung of servants of Christ. And, he says, and we are those entrusted with the mysteries of God. Now, this word entrusted is the word steward. And you've probably heard that before because it shows up in like some of Jesus' parables. He'll talk about stewards. You'll, you'll read about stewards. Now, a steward is also a sort of servant, but they are the highest of the high. A steward is the guy that you trust more than anyone else. A steward is your right-hand man because a steward is you when you're not there. Your steward has complete and total authority over whatever area he manages. He can make any decision he wants. So do you remember, there's this parable Jesus tells, and we often call it the parable of the unrighteous or unjust steward. It's about a guy who is a steward over his master's, it's like his business of some sort. And it turns out he's, he's not doing a really good job. And when his master finds out about it, his master's like, um, get the books and meet me at my house. We need to talk about this. And the guy knows he's in trouble, right? The jig is up. Once he brings those books and shows them, we don't know whether he's like embezzling on the side or he's just incompetent. But either way, he knows he's going to lose his job. And he's like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Got it. I need some friends. 
So he goes and he finds some guys that owe his boss money. He finds creditors. Like, you know, you, you. So he goes to one guy, he's like, hey, um, what's your bill? How much do you owe my boss? The guy's like, I owe him 800 gallons uh, of olive oil. The steward sits down, takes the bill, crosses out 800, writes 400, and then he'll stamp it with the seal because the steward has the seal. That's how you make a contract. That, that, that contract is binding. The master can't come along later and say, hey, what are you talking about? You owe me 800, not 400. No, look, he's got the paper, he's got the seal because the steward has 100% total authority to act on your behalf. The master isn't there to manage this. The steward does it completely. The steward could bankrupt it. The steward could steal it all. A steward is the absolute highest position of servant that you can have. Do you see what Paul is saying? Paul says, here's how you need to think about us. Again, it's a command. Think this way, Paul says. We are the lowest of the low. We are the absolute bottom rung of servants. And we are the highest of the high. We are the absolute most trusted servants. He says, we have been trusted with the mysteries of God. Remember, we talked about this before. Their word mystery doesn't mean it in our sense of you don't know it. They mean by mystery the way we mean a mystery story. When you start the story, you don't know it. But when you finish the story, you do, because the authors told you. I've told you, you know, the example of this Agatha Christie story, The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. When you start that book, you don't know who killed Roger Ackroyd. But when you finish it, you do. That's a mystery. They are, Paul says, we're stewards of what these mysteries, these things that God has revealed. And, and God's given it to us. They're our responsibility. We have complete authority. Paul says we're the lowest of the low. And we are the highest of the high. Like these two words, this word for servant, hyperetes, and this word for steward, they're, they're total opposites. No one would ever be both those things. But Paul says we are. We're both those things. We're the lowest of the low in Jesus' kingdom, and we're the highest of the high. And he doesn't explain this. He just lets that tension sit. You know, when we read it, we're just kind of like, okay, yeah, stewards, we've been entrusted, sure. We're we're servants. Okay, I get that. Like, these guys reading it would have looked at that and gone, what? I mean, how can you be in the lowest position and in the highest position at the same time? That, that just isn't going to happen. You're one or you're the other. But Paul says, these are both true about us. This is how you need to think about us. And then he goes right on and he keeps running with this idea of being a steward. He says, hey, if you're a steward, then periodically, again, we translate it as you must prove faithful. Literally, you got to show the books periodically, you have got to come in and show your master what's going on because he's not there. You know, if you're a steward over a farm, the master's not there watching out over the farm. That's why you're there. You are there. You have total and complete authority to hire who you want to hire, fire who you want to fire, buy what needs to be bought, sell what you don't want, get rid of produce, bring stuff in. You are the master. You have all his authority there on that farm. But... The day will come when you got to bring the books. You know, after the harvest, once a year, every quarter, just depends on how your master lines it up. 
you will have to bring the books. You'll have to give an account, Paul says. And of course, everybody in this day and age understood that. That's what happens. Periodically, stewards have to bring the book. They have to give an account for what they've done. And then listen to what Paul says. It's like, okay, we all understand, right? If you're a steward, if you've been given authority somewhere, it's not yours. You're going to have to give an account for that. You're going to have to show the books. How have you done? And everybody would have been like, of course. And then he says in verse 3, I couldn't care less what you think about me. Like, sure, I know I'm going to have to give an account someday, but I'm not going to have to give an account to you. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. In fact, Paul says, I don't even care what I think about me. I think I'm doing a good job. Paul says, my conscience is clear, but I'm not the standard. You're not the standard. They're not the standard. I'm not the standard. God is the standard. Paul says, the Lord, verse four, it is the Lord who judges me. So Paul says, look, you can't judge this stuff. Only God gets to. Only God gets to judge these things because only God knows things that are hidden. Only God knows motives. We don't. We don't know why people do what they do. We can only speculate, but God knows. Now, remember, he's talking about stewardship. We're not talking about sin. Like, actually, he'll get into that in chapter five. If you see people sinning, you need to tell them to stop. You need to, to, to go to people and confront them. If they're doing what's wrong, you have to tell them. But this is stewardship. If you have been given authority over this farm, should you plant corn this season or wheat? That's not an issue of sin. It's an issue of stewardship. If you've been given authority by God in some area, then you can be choose A or choose B, and neither one is sin. That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, look, I'm going to have to give an account for these things. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what anybody here thinks. It doesn't even matter what I think. The only thing that matters is what God thinks. God will bring all this to light. God will bring out the motives of the heart. When he uses the word, ju the word judge here, he says in verse three, I care very little if I'm judged by you. It's the same word he used back in chapter two. Do you remember when we talked about the spirit? When I said, this isn't just the word for like, oh yeah, you know, judge, you, you, you make a decision on something. You say, oh yeah, sure, whatever. This is a very specific legal term. It's about bringing a case before a judge. The prosecuting attorney will lay out their facts. The defense attorney will lay out their facts. The judge will make a judgment. Paul says, I'm not on trial with you. You're not in charge of me. I'm not on trial in front of anybody. Heck, I'm not even on trial by myself. You don't get to sit in judgment of my stewardship. Nobody gets to sit in judgment of my stewardship. Even I don't get to sit in judgment of my stewardship. Only God does that because God's the master. God has entrusted me with these things. Do you hear this, this strong affirmation? I mean, I hate to use the word proud in a sermon uh, in a positive sense because it has such negative connotations, but, but he's got this sort of really proud affirmation of, hey, God gave me this ministry. God put me in charge here. I don't care what you think because you don't know. You don't know what's done in secret. You can't tell what happens in the dark. You don't know the motives of my heart. You can't judge whether I'm being a good steward or not. Paul's taking this idea that, like just what he said, this is how you should think about it. Remember, the first thing he said was you should think of how low we are, and we'll get back to that in a minute. And then he says you should think about how high we are. And he runs with that. 
And he's got this really proud affirmation that it doesn't matter what you think about my stewardship. It doesn't matter what I think about my stewardship. The standard here is God. God is the one that is going to judge these things. And then he doesn't stop there. And I think that's really wise of him. Um, Because if he stopped there, I fear I would do exactly what he's going to warn us about. He goes on in verses 6 and 7 to say, Brothers, sisters, Corinthians. And remember, he's told us at the beginning, he's, th- this is true for all believers everywhere. It's like, hey, I'm not just talking about me and Apollos. right? I'm using Apollos and I as examples for you. But I'm talking about everybody. He's broadening it now to say, hey, you need to listen. This is true for all of us. You need to make sure, and he, using this quote, that you're not going beyond what is written. Because I think if Paul had stopped at verse 5, Right, he says, hey, we're the lowest of the low as servants go, but we're the highest of the high, and let me tell you about that. I fear that I would do exactly what Paul says not to do. I would be puffed up. I mean, Paul has just said, you don't get to tell me what to do where stewardship is concerned. You don't sit in judgment of me. Nobody does. I don't even sit in judgment of me. God, like I look to God. I think if he had stopped there, what I would be saying to myself is something along the lines of, yeah, who are you? The heck with you guys. It's me and God. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, and that's the end of it. I don't need any of you people. And Paul's very, very clear that that's not true because he goes on to say, how are you different from anybody else? Everything you have is a gift. Now, I know we say that, in sort of a pithy Hallmark card way. Oh, every day is a gift. And it is, don't get me wrong. But Paul means it literally. Everything you have is a gift. Just, again, think about anything you've ever done, anything you've ever conceived, any idea you've ever come up with and then run with. How did you think that idea up? Well, you used your brain. Where'd your brain come from? It's a gift from God. You didn't design it. You didn't create it. Heck, we don't even understand it. It's your brain, but it's a gift from God. And you say, oh, but I I developed it. I worked it. I studied it. Absolutely. Why can you do that? Why can you study and develop and learn? Because my dog has a brain And if you look at a scan of my brain and a scan of my dog's brain, they look pretty similar. They got all the same pieces, you know. They got a hypothalamus and they got a frontal lobe. And if you show my dog a dog treat and put an MRI on him, all the little pleasure centers are going to light up. And, you know, if you show me a double-stuffed Oreo, put an MRI on me, probably all the little pleasure centers are going to light up. Our brains aren't that different. But I can assure you my dog can't learn. I've been trying to get him to stop barking at the mailman for years. He can't learn. Not like you can. You know, a gorilla, a full-grown gorilla has a brain that's way bigger than any human brain. But your six-year-old is an intellectual giant compared to any gorilla. Why? It's a gift. It's a gift from God, every bit of strength that you have, everything you have set your hands to, everything you have tried to work out, you have been able to do that because God 
gifted you because God made it possible. Look, you're breathing right now. I don't have a portable oxygen generator here. I don't think you do either. We are breathing because God filled our planet with oxygen. You're, you're looking at me and listening to me because photons are hitting your eyes and waves in the air is hitting your ears and it's getting translated into electronic signals that your brain can make sense of. If God came to us one day and said, you know, I've decided that the, uh, the act of hearing is really my intellectual property and I'm no longer gonna license it to you all, so I'm gonna need all your ears back. But hey, but feel free to design your own system. We'd all be deaf because we can't do that. It's a gift. Everything you have, Paul says, is a gift. And if you think about it, it is so, so true. Everything we have is a gift. And so Paul says, how are you any different from anybody else? Why do you act like you did all this yourself? Why are we so full of ourselves when everything we have is a gift? Do you see the tension that he's playing with here. Remember, he started out at the beginning with these two, we would say contradictory statements, but he just puts them out there. He says, hey, we're the lowest of the low. We're the bottom rung. We're the flunkies. We're the grunts in Jesus' kingdom. And we're the highest of the highs. We're the CEOs. We're the stewards. We're the guys who are in charge, and we are completely in charge. There is no limit on our authority when the owner is not there. You have these two contradictory things. And then he takes the second one, this idea of, you know, that really, this is amazing. We have this incredible high position, and he runs with it. He runs off on, we're stewards, and the only person we're accountable to is God. The only person who can tell us whether we are doing our stewardship, whether what God has given to us is right, that's God. It's not anybody else. Like He runs with this idea of our high position, but he doesn't leave us there. He comes back to our low position. And if you've heard me talk about how people in this day and age argue, this is a very common argument. You put out your A argument and you just put it out there, right? We're the lowest of the low. Then your B point, we're the highest of the high. Then you elaborate more on B and then you go back and you elaborate more on A. And that's what he's done here. He's talked about we're the highest of the highest stewards. Nobody can tell us what to do. We're right below God. Only God can judge us. And then he turns around and goes back to this idea of, and we're the lowest of the low. We haven't done anything on our own. It's all a gift. We're no better than anybody else. Now the steward the steward's better than everybody else. Everyone in that business, that farm, whatever it is, they all report to the steward. Paul's playing with these two almost contradictory ideas that we're the lowest of the low and we're the highest of the high in Jesus' kingdom. And notice, he doesn't say at the beginning, hey, you know what? We need to synthesize these two ideas. So on the one hand, you know, we're great, we're awesome, we're really high, but on the other hand, we're low, we're flunkies, we're worms, so let's put that together and say, we're a pretty good worm. That's how you should think of us. You should think of us just in the middle. It's not what he says. He says, here's how you should think. Remember, it's a command. Think like this about us. We're, we're the lowest of the low servants in Jesus' kingdom. 
We're the highest of the high servants in Jesus' kingdom. Both those things, Paul says, is true. If you are a Christian, because remember, he's extending this in verse six. It's like, hey, I've applied this to, to me and to Apollos, but, but it's for your benefit. It's for you to understand these things. Paul says, if you're a Christian, these things are true of you. You are the lowest of the low, and you are the highest of the high. And you need to remember both. Because I don't know about you, but so often we fall to one side or another. Now remember, he's talking about unity in the body. Right? You know, We split this up and do a little bit each week. But that's not the way. Paul just wrote this. This is one whole section about unity in the body, needing to be unified in Christ, where there's this middle section, remember, he goes off on this rabbit trail. So there are these divisions in this church, these, these factions. People are getting caught up, it seems like, in personality and style and leadership. And Paul's like, remember, we talked about this last week. Paul's like, that's not what you should be looking at. That's not the issue. The issue is God. The issue is Jesus. It's his church. He is our Lord. What do you think causes those divisions? Like, what causes us to fracture and to fray? Isn't it one of these two things? Isn't it either we have a too low view of ourselves? Like, we look at the other people around us and we think, oh, I'm just not nearly that good. And so we, we want to group together with other people for protection. We want to have other folks to tell us we're doing okay. We want to have a leader. We want to have someone we can look up to. We want to align ourselves with someone because we really don't feel good about ourselves. Or we go to the other extreme and we really feel pretty good about ourselves. We look down on everyone else around us. It's like, yeah, I'm doing great. What's wrong with you people? Why can't you get this straight? Don't we have divisions and fractures and, and issues? Don't we get pulled apart? Because we fall to one side or the other. And Paul here tells the Corinthians, you're both. Don't, don't you see that? You're both. You're both the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. Both those things are true of you. You need to hold those in tension as a follower of Christ. You need to be careful that you never fall off to one side or the other. Now, maybe as I'm telling you this, you're kind of back watching me thinking, why are you telling me this, Jeff? Of course, this is obvious. It's all over scripture, right? We have this incredible position in Christ that's so lofty and amazing. And also, we know our own sinfulness. We know Jesus had to die. We're, we're, we're humble. Why are you telling me this? Great. Fast forward through the rest of me. Go on. Get back to Tim and the worship team, right? But if you're not sitting there thinking, well, yeah, of course, this is obvious, then like me, you probably tend to fall to one of those sides or another. And you need to remember what Paul says. We are both these things. When you are tempted to have too low a view of yourself, right? When you are tempted to sit on the side of, oh, I'm the lowest of the low, you need to remember what Paul says. You are the highest of the high. You are a steward. You have total and complete authority. God has entrusted the mysteries of God to you. And it does not matter what anyone else thinks about your stewardship. You're not accountable to them. If you run a farm for Mr. X, then you don't got to bring the books to Mr. Y or Mr. Z. 
You got to bring the books to Mr. X. It doesn't matter what that guy who owns the farm next to you thinks about your decision to plant corn instead of wheat. He can think you're an idiot. You're not accountable to him. You're accountable to Mr. X. You're accountable to the owner of that farm. If he says, oh, absolutely, I think that's a, yes, corn is clearly the way to go from what you've showed me, then you're good. If you are tempted to think too less of yourself, to dwell on this side of, oh, I'm, I'm just the lowest of the low, right? then you need to remember what Paul says. You are a steward. You are accountable only to God. He has given you stewardship. He has entrusted his mysteries to you. And conversely, if you are tempted to think too highly of yourself, if you're tempted to be too impressed with yourself, to be too sure of yourself, like, oh yeah, I get that, I'm in charge, it's the, the, yep, this, this is good, everyone reports to me, right? Then you need to remember what Paul says. You are also the lowest of the low. You've done absolutely nothing ever that wasn't the result of the gift of God. You are no different than anyone else. You cannot look down on any other believer. God has gifted people as he has decided to gift them. He'll talk about that in great detail later in the letter to the Corinthians. God has given stewardship in different areas to different people. God, like, like the master, you know, he puts one guy in charge of the farm and another guy over here in charge of the business. That's his decision. If God has entrusted you with wealth, you can't look down on people that God hasn't entrusted with wealth. If God has entrusted you with this area of responsibility, you can't look down on people that God hasn't made that decision. We're no better than any of our brothers and sisters. Do, do you see how this right view that Paul gives us, we're the lowest of the low and we're the highest of the high. Do you see how this right view keeps us in unity? It keeps us from fracturing apart. It, it keeps us from looking up and thinking, oh, I, I, I need to get this group. I need to align myself with this person. It, it keeps us from looking down and thinking, oh, what's wrong with you people? Get it together. Why can't you be like me? Paul holds these two seemingly contradictory ideas in tension. And he goes on to elaborate that, yes, they absolutely are intention, intention, but they're both true. They're both true, and we need to hold them. We need to remember both these things. We're the lowest of the low. We're the highest of the high. So I'm gonna pray for us. Like, I don't know about you. I know for me where I tend to fall, like the areas of my life where I think too little of myself, the areas of my life where I think too highly of myself, but I don't know that for you. But God does, and God's spirit does. So I'm gonna pray over us that God's spirit will speak to us about this. Where are the places we're, we're, we need to get back to holding these two things. Yes, we're the lowest servants. Yes, we're the highest stewards. We need to hold these two things in their proper place. We need to view ourselves properly, that we are both of these things. That gives us both this pride and this confidence that Paul speaks of, and also this humility and this gentleness that he speaks of. So pray with me. Lord, thank you. Th th thank you for these words. Thank you for this reminder. I know this, this is taught many places in Scripture. Um, but thank you for this reminder here that, that this is part of us being in community with each other. It, it's part of us being in unity, in unity through you, not in unity through anything else, that, that you have made us both the lowest of the low and the highest of the high. That both those things, just as both those things were true for the Apostle Paul, both those things were true for Apollos, both those things are true for us. Jesus, forgive us. I know that I often fall to one side 
or the other. And I suspect that's true of my brothers and sisters listening to me. And so, Jesus, I pray. I pray by your spirit that you would speak to us. Where are the places where we are tempted to only think that we are the lowest of the low and forget that we are the highest of the high? Where are the places where we are tempted to think that we are the highest of the high and forget that we are also the lowest of the low? Holy Spirit, speak to us. Remind us. Forewarn us. Remind us of what these places are so that we can be ready. When, when those thoughts and temptations come, when I'm tempted to think too little of myself or too high of myself, that I am ready, that I remember this passage, that, that I remind myself. When, when, when I, I think that I am too low, I remind myself I am a steward of God. I have been entrusted with his mysteries that I'm only accountable to him. It doesn't matter what these other people think about me. And when I am tempted to think too highly of myself, remind me so I can remind myself. Remind me so I remember that I'm no different than anyone else. That everything I have is a gift from you. All that you have entrusted to me, it's all yours. You have gifted it to me. I cannot look down on any of my brothers and sisters. Jesus, I pray for everyone listening to me that your spirit would speak these truths to us over this week, that we would remember that both these things are true in you, that, that we would have great freedom in knowing our high position and our low position, that we would have great joy in knowing that, that both of these things are true about us. Use this in us this week, Jesus, that we think rightly. Is that the very first thing Paul commands us, this is how to think. Help us this week, Jesus, to obey that command, to think rightly about ourselves, and then to live that out before you as your servants. We pray it in your name, Lord. Amen.